Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. And we are back with Reality Check. I'm Tanya Pendleton, and we are broadcasting live from the White House Complex in the Eisenhower Office Building. And we are now being joined by some very important ladies in the in the White House uh, that uh, are a part of the White House's initiative on HBCUs. Deidre Trent, she is the executive director of the White House initiative on HBCUs. And Alexis Holmes, who is the executive director of the White House initiative on Black Americans. And Brother Shomari, he's joining us. Of course, he is the host of Groundings, and he is joining us for this conversation. As we here at Word and on Brother Shomari's show and on my show, we are passionate about education, the opportunities uh, that it affords African-Americans. Ladies, please tell us what you are working on currently when it comes to HBCUs. Alexis, why don't we start with you? Actually, if you don't mind, I want to defer too much to my colleague, Deidre. Go ahead, Deidre. So thank you. And thank you so much for having us. I really appreciate this opportunity. I'm always excited to talk about HBCUs. I'm an HBCU graduate. Go Hampton Parrots. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are working on a lot. The one thing I will say about this administration is HBCUs are not an afterthought in this administration. We are working on anywhere from things from um, artificial intelligence to machine learning, making sure that we are up on those standards. We're also working with um, the Department of Commerce, um, doing some chips and science stuff. We're making sure that we are providing opportunities for additional resources for research and, and building out research capacity uh, within our HBCUs. Let me let me just step back and let people know what I do. A large percentage of what I do is to work with our federal agencies. We have 37 federal agencies. We work with them to make sure that they're creating greater opportunities for HBCUs to compete more fairly. Um, So every year they have to provide a report to me outlining exactly how they're going to create those opportunities as well as to eliminate some of the barriers that HBCUs have faced over the course of, of decades now. And they provide those reports to us, to my office. We provide it to the White House as well as to members of Congress. And so a lot of my work um, is contingent upon what's in those plans and working with our agencies to make sure that our HBCUs are at the table and that any any obstacles or barriers that we need to eliminate, we can we can assist with those. So that's a large part of it. We're also working with some private sector folks. We're working with the PGA um, as we know that the golf industry is about a $2 billion industry. And one of the things that one of the initial partnerships that I created when I got here was uh, a partnership with all four of the golf, in, uh, golf um, commissioners and the, with the idea of getting our students in the business of golf. You, we have a lot of HBCUs of golf teams on campus but I want them in the business. I want our lawyers there. I want our accountants there. I want our, you know, communications persons there. And so we're working closely with all four of them to make sure that we have these creating these opportunities. And Alexis, tell us uh, what uh, you are doing in the office of uh, uh, for the initiative in black Americans and with the HBCUs. 
Well, thank you so much for having us here. This this is truly historic and, and so exciting. We we just absolutely love this opportunity. Uh, Deetra and I work very closely together, um, obviously. So um, as Deetra works directly uh, with institutions, um, from our initiative standpoint, we work with the community and we make sure working across the entire administration that Black children, Black students, families, entrepreneurs, advocates have the supports that they need so that they can exercise exercise a variety of educational options, HBCUs being one of them. Brother Shamari was asking, uh, basically, with affirmative action and all of the pushback against diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion, how we're going to be able to sustain uh, HBCUs into the future. Yeah, so I would say that I think that's making the case for our sustainability even greater, right? The fact that we have so much pushback and the fact that we are in this period where they are trying to erase our history makes it even that much more important for us to make sure that we are sustainable. The one thing that I appreciate about this administration is, you know, this administration is, has, has made the largest investments in HBCUs in the history of this country. They're not only trying to um, create greater opportunity and resources for HBCUs because we have been discriminated against for so long. But they also understand that it's important to have these voices at the table. It's also very important that if we're going to get out of some of the challenges, the enormous challenges that our, our country faces, we have got to have our voices at the table. That's the one thing about this administration. They appreciate diversity. They celebrate diversity. They understand that HBCUs are create, creating that pipeline for STEM. They're creating that pipeline for AI. They're creating the pipeline for, for, for health, health research. Um, so, you know, I think what, what folks who, <laughs> There is a scripture in the Bible, what you meant for not, God meant for good, we'll use for good. I think that's going to be something that's going to, um, the fact that there's so much um, backlash with DEI and affirmative action, I think that's going to be the thing that's going to force, um, create more opportunities for us. Yeah, so a part of what we're trying to do is create those partnerships and create those opportunities that are sustainable. This is not, you know, that's the other thing that I appreciate about this administration. It's not about this administration getting checks in the boxes. It really is about having HBCs at the table to help us um, deal with some of our challenges. And so part of what I do is I try to make those connections with our federal agencies and make those connections with the right people in the agencies to ensure that those are sustainable relationships going forward. And I think Deetra hit on something important, and that is about relationships. So it isn't just internally, but also externally. And from our initiative standpoint, you know, we're looking at how do we develop relationships with those Black educators, those Black uh, entrepreneurs and other interests that are really going to be laying the foundation for our community, not just today, but like 50 and 100 years from now. Um, and also, I wanted to talk, talk about um, one of our favorite words is in intentionality. And we are very intentional, both of us, about not only talking to institutions directly, but we talk to Black educators and we make sure that we are uh, regularly gaining their feedback and working on their behalf. Funding is always a challenge when it comes to HBCUs. And in fact, the Department of Education said that HBCUs in 16 states, including Tennessee, uh, were denied $12 billion worth of funding. How is uh, what your efforts uh, are doing? How are you 
uh, addressing that historical inequity in funding for HBCUs. So you all know that recently, well, not so recently, in September, Secretary Cardona, as well as Secretary Vilsack, sent um, letters to the 16 states, just letting them know that according to calculations in which they submitted to the department, by the way, um, that HBCUs were falling short. That was only for since 1987. So just for the last 30 years. So when, when we look at what, what the real underfunding and underinvestment is, going back to, we can just say 1868, you know, when we really look at what the real underinvestment is, um, it's, 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 it's off the chart, right? Incalculable. Right, right. <laughs> yes. And so that, you know, what we're trying to do also is we're working with those states to see if we can help them um, understand the importance of, 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 I don't want to say ante and up, but ante and up, um, as well as, as putting things in place to make sure that we are also supporting them financially. So part of that is um, with the federal government, you mentioned the Department of Education. Department of Education alone has, has invested over $7 billion in HBCUs, but that's just us alone. This administration has taken a whole of government approach. And so we're looking at, you know, for the first time ever in the history of this country and the history of HBCUs, and HBCU is, is leading a, a university-affiliated research center um, and that's Howard University with seven others for the Department of Defense. They're doing that research now for the first time ever in the history of this country that on HBCU is leading a, a university transportation center and 12 others are doing regionals. They're doing that now. You know, Department of Commerce has a pilot program called Connected Minority Communities in which they expanded broadband, not only to the HBCU, but also the communities they serve. We had 43 HBCU used to receive one of those grants to the tune of $134 million. NASA is doing a lot of stuff. Energy is doing a lot of stuff. My job is to work with these agencies to make sure that they have these opportunities and that they're also doing things and putting in, investing and enhancing research opportunities. The Department of Education, a part of the money that, that we've invested was a $50 million grant to invest in research, um, enhancing research opportunities on our campuses. Despite these continuing inequities, um, because as you have just stated, the, the, these inequities go back so many hundreds of years that there's no way that they could be uh, taken care of and, and made whole, so to speak, uh, in the next probably next administration or the one after that. But why then are they still so significant and important to the black community? Well, I mean, I could call the role Brother Shamar over there <laughs> as a witness. But I mean, you look at you look at, you know, 85 percent of federal judges today are HBC graduates. Do you want me to call the role? 70, 75 percent of dentists and medical doctors are HBC graduates. 80 percent of black PhDs are HBC graduates. Over 50 percent of engineers and over 50 percent of black teachers are HBCU graduates. Why are we significant? We're significant because we're creating that diversity within the workforce already. We're creating the, 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 um, the excellence that we receive on our campuses, that we're taught on our campuses. We are the leaders. And so we are, it is critically important that we remain um, viable. We don't differentiate at all. There are obviously differences, obviously different needs. Some of the state 
universities have a little bit more of a safety network than um, than our privates. And so we try to focus more, especially in areas where we need to enhance and build up. We try to focus in um, as much as we can on some of the, the privates, especially the smaller privates, right? Um, our job and our role, we, we're, we're focused on making sure that um, we are creating sustainable opportunities for all HBCUs. And as this backlash um, that we are seeing uh, seems to be increasing, as particularly as we go further into this election year, Alexis, I have to ask you, how does your office uh, uh, hope to alleviate that uh, in your work with the HBCUs? Well, I think um, relationships, partnership is key and making sure uh, that our initiatives, um, quite frankly, are one. And uh, what we're doing is communicating directly with the community through a variety of options, uh, be it through our virtual engagement, be it going directly into the community and making sure that our federal partners are with us on the road so that we can continue to provide information and really showcase all of the historic resources and opportunities that are a part of this administration, including its advocacy, um, fierce advocacy and support of HBCUs. And in working with the HBCUs, what are your greatest gains that you can uh, celebrate right now with us? I think it's really been around uh, elevating uh, the issues and the, quite frankly, the urgency of building up uh, more Black educators. And so we've been able uh, to work very closely. You know, this administration has been able to secure historic uh, funding for HBCUs and other institutions to make sure that they can truly diversify that teacher pipeline. Um, Our children and all children benefit from having Black teachers and that experience. Um, And so, you know, that is an issue that we've been able uh, to work rather successfully on together. Uh, Deetra, aside from funding, what do you think is the biggest need uh, that HBCUs are experiencing at this point? And how is your office helping alleviate that? so I, it's it's hard not to go back to funding. Of course. Let me let me just say. So you know, obviously, our students um, need additional resources. Um, this is an administration that has increased Pell to its highest level ever. Um, we are well on our way to doubling Pell, as the president has um, has said that he wants to do. We're now at seventy three forty five. I think it's increased by nine hundred dollars over the last two years. We're continually continuing to focus on our students and making sure that they also have the resources. We're working with our president's board of advisors and so other private sectors to make sure we're providing them with internships. We know that folks with internships have a greater greater um, opportunity to get real job jobs after college, and so we're working on paid internships for them. Um, the other thing is, you know, just just more broadly is student loan forgiveness, right? Just making sure that we are uh, 3.9 million. I'm going to get my, my facts straight. 3.9 million Americans have had their loans forgiven in this administration so far. And is, is that enough? 
Well, we're continuing to do it. I understand last week we we announced another 153,000 at their uh, last Friday. <laughs> another 153,000 um, Americans had their loans forgiven. And that's critical. That's really critical for especially people, um, African-Americans, because we are most likely to be those who are, um, well, one, we, we know we take out loans at higher rates. But two, we're also... Um, those who will be working, who are most likely to work in public service jobs. Mm. And so a lot of this has been targeted to people who have worked hard all of their lives and have been trying to pay back these loans forever. Um, but it took a Biden administration to come in and say, we need to get this right. Um, and I think they've done an, we've done an amazing job um, supporting just regular working families. I can't tell you how many, I love, seeing on Facebook people posting $200,000 forgiven or $10,000 under the save plan forgiven. So it's, um, that's, I think is one of the things that I'm most proud of because when you think about somebody with a $200,000 loan, that's five and $600 a month that they're putting towards a loan. Deidre, I have to ask you, uh, obviously you were here working for the Biden-Harris administration, but you did attend an HBCU. What did that do for you personally? What if, if there's someone out here right now who's on the fence about whether or not they want their child to attend an HBCU, maybe they have offers from an HBCU, maybe they have them from uh, an Ivy League. What is it about the HBCU experience that was special for you or e even these years out, uh, later after you've graduated. So I will say, had it not been for Hampton University, I would not be sitting here today. I will say that hands down. I think the one thing that is most unique about HBCUs is that leadership, for one thing, is not something that students opt into as a course or something. It is embedded throughout that campus, not just the curriculum, but throughout the campus. That's number one. Number two is service. We, we are taught that you are to enter to learn and exit to serve. I know some people have remembered that slogan, but it is all about service. And so when we come out, we come out with this, this first of all, a pride, a sense of pride of who we are because we have nothing but African-Americans on our campuses showing us that excellence and believing in us and nurturing us and bringing out all that good in us, right? And affirming who we are. And then on top of that, it is all about leadership and service. And so I can unequivocally say, I tell people all the time, I got two degrees from um, an R1 institution in, in Richmond, Virginia, and one degree from Hampton, but I got educated at Hampton. I got my PhD and my, my master's degree at another school, but I got educated at Hampton. It is all about um, what I was able to achieve at that university. And Alexis, uh, as we close out, uh, as the executive director of the White House Initiative on Black Americans, I'm going to ask you to quickly say what we can look forward to uh, in the administration plans to come. Well, I think you can look forward to us being in Philadelphia in a couple of months. Um, <laughs> our the, the White House Black Initiative, we have a series, we call it our Power Up Series, and we're going on the road and we are going to be in Philadelphia 
area and we're going to have our HBCU partners as well as our other federal agencies um, to get up close and personal and get some information as also um, as Dietra was sharing, making sure that we are taking full advantage of the opportunities um, of this administration, including student loan forgiveness. Uh, we will descend and, and we're looking forward uh, to continuing that engagement. Wonderful. Dietra Trent, the Executive Director, White House Initiative on HBCUs. Thank you for being with us on Reality Check. And Alexis Holmes, the Executive Director of the White House Initiative on Black Americans. It is a pleasure having you here today as we broadcast live from the White House Complex here from the Eisenhower Office Building. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank Thank you you for being here. Thank Thank you you for allowing us to be here. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com.